note for each and every one of those kids. And I remember being a kid and always loving the Valentines where someone actually wrote something to me, like, glad to be your friend, Matt, signed Ryan, you know? That was cool. Or, or, or if it was the pretty girl in class, glad to be your friend, Matt, love, I'm not even going to say a name because who knows, they might still be in the falls. But anyhow, uh, that was always fun. It's fun to think about love. We have an entire industry that is making lots of money on love in the next week, are they not? The flower industry, I mean, every children's Valentine is going to have a Disney princess or Jake and the Neverland Pirates on it. So Disney's going to get real rich this week even more. Uh, the entire industry's hallmark is, is, is gearing up for what they, I'm sure, expect to be massive sales. We have uh, so much uh, in our culture that is based on love. Uh, movies and, and series and books and, and, and all types of things. I think about some of the literature that we've read. Sometimes we just think about romantic love. Of course, a Nicholas Sparks movie is opening this week because it's Valentine's week, right? Uh, it, it's, it's time to think about love, but there's brotherly love to think of too. If you grew up in my generation, you read The Outsiders, a story about brotherly love. If you've grown up in the last hundred years, you might have read or in the past 20 years seen the movies, The Lord of the Rings, and seen the love between Frodo and Sam. There's lots of different ways to think about love. We as the people of God must be sure that while we think about love and that we can enjoy the emotion of love and, and feel melty, gooey thoughts when we think about love, that in spite of all the different things that the culture says about love, that we don't trivialize it that we understand that the greatest love story in human history is found right here in the words of the scripture. And that love emanates from God our Father, who even though as human beings we were wayward and we stepped outside of the bounds of what God wanted us to do, he loved us and he pursued us and he wants relationship with us. The New Testament is very clear, and over and over again throughout the books of the New Testament, we find that our response to this great love story that God has displayed for each and every one of us, our response is then to love in return. Now, we have a working definition here at Victory Life Church of Love. It's something that we like to say from this pulpit because it helps us get our mind wrapped around what Christian love is. And I want to give it to you today, and if you've never written this before and you're taking notes this morning, I encourage you to write down our working definition of love. Love is to want God's best for another person. That's what we believe love is. Love is not wanting your best for that person because your best might end up being selfish in the long run. But we know that God, our Father, wants each and every one of us to flourish. He has a good heart and a good desire for each and every one of our lives, and he is far from selfish. So the way to love people best is to want God's best for that person. Today we want to talk about practical ways to engage in love from a scriptural perspective, and that's what we're going to be doing for the next two weeks. We don't want to trivialize love. Instead, we want to talk about it practically. We want to make sure that we are people who are engaging in it. And so as we read our passage this morning, I'm going to highlight four doors that open into love, four do's, four things that we, as people who are part of God's divine love story, engage in. And at the very end today, I'm going to tell you what I believe from this passage is the key to opening those doors. So four ways that we can practically love, and then the key to opening those doors in love. Because our goal as Christians is to take part in God's love story, is to make sure that we are increasing in ever-expanding circles the love that God has for human beings and bringing them into right relationship with God. Will you look down and read with me? 
from 1 Peter chapter 4, 8 and following. Above all, maintain constant love for one another. For love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaining. Like good stewards of the manifold grace of God, serve one another with whatever gift each of you has received. Whoever speaks must do so as one speaking the very words of God. Whoever serves must do so with the strength that God supplies, so that God may be glorified in all things through Jesus Christ. To him belong the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. The Apostle Peter wrote these words and is echoing a sentiment that is expansive in the New Testament. It just keeps going and going and going. Love for God and love for God's people is a serious business. God desires that we love seriously. Here in the passage, we see that love has the potential to cover a multitude of sins. We're going to talk about the theological and practical implications of that in just a minute, but that alone is a huge statement about love. We also find out in verse 11, somewhere about halfway through, because that is one big verse, that God is glorified through our acts of love. That when we love the way God has desired us to love, we are in essence bringing glory to God our Father through Jesus Christ. So when we engage in love, it, it's not just so that we can get love in return, but we have a missional way in which we love. And then back up with me for a minute to catch the context of this love. It's verse 7. What sparks Peter thinking about love? Well, look at verse 7. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be serious and discipline yourself for the sake of your prayers. And verse 8, above all, maintain constant love. So Peter's thinking about, boy, time is short. The moment when God calls to a close this age and the moment that he is going to both pour out his mercy and wrath is coming. And we want to make sure that we're serious that that moment's coming. We want to devote ourselves to prayer and above all, love. So that, take out the middle part, God may be glorified in all things through Christ Jesus. This is serious love we're talking about, missional love, love that has a purpose, not just love that's love. And it's so hard to talk about love because the minute you bring love up in church, we can sometimes feel like, yeah, love, great, nice. I don't know, maybe that's just for the guys in the room. Maybe we hear, oh, Pastor Matt's preaching on love this morning, what a snoozer, right? Right? I mean, because we are so acquainted with this concept that we should love one another, but Peter's trying to say, take love seriously. Take it seriously. It's part of the mission of God for the church. Jesus said as much. He said that the identifier of his disciples would be what? From John chapter 15, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So that's the identifier of a Christian. Paul goes even a little bit further. Some might think this heresy, but Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 says, these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is holy moly. What was he thinking? To say that love is somehow greater than faith and hope. Boy, how'd that make it into the scriptures? Anyhow, we have 
we have something that we must address this morning, and it's that we must not trivialize love. We must take it seriously. When we talk about it in our small groups or the pastor preaches about it from the pulpit, when we speak about it in our homes, it's not something that we should look at and go, oh yeah, love, yeah, we're people of love, we're Christians, Mm -hmm, love. But to make sure that we try to practically embrace and receive spiritual empowerment to be the people of love God calls us to be because it is a vehicle for God's glory and it is part of our mission on the earth. So this morning, let's talk about these four doors that will help us walk through into the hall of love, if you will. And then, as I mentioned at the end, we'll talk about the key to unlocking those doors. The first thing that Peter tells us here in verse 8 is that love, in my words, puts out sin's fire. Love puts out sin's fire. Or the way that he says it, love covers a multitude of sins. Love covers a multitude of sins. Came across a concept years ago from John Maxwell, the leadership sort of guru Christian, so I don't know if I should call him a guru, but anyway. John said that when leaders lead, they have something called pocket change. You ever heard this concept? That every time a leader does something well, uh, communicates well, or treats people well, or, or, or has victories for their company or their church, they put a little change in their pocket. But every time that they make a mistake or every time that they maybe don't give somebody enough attention or every time that they maybe don't pay attention to something, every time they don't communicate well, they pay out a little bit of that change. And the whole key, John said, to leadership was to, not, to make sure that you didn't go like this and the pocket was empty. Now, I've heard this amended now by our friends at Family Life. I believe it's our friends at Family Life. You can check with John and Becky afterwards. They call it the love bank. The idea that every time that you do something loving, every time that you show love to another human being, you're putting money in that love bank. But every time that you mess up, money's coming out that bank. If this is the meaning that Peter has for us, it really has a a, a large kernel of truth because many people believe that love is simply in their words, not in their deeds. And you say, "I, I don't believe that, Pastor Matt. Why would you say many people? Because many people don't practically show love, they just say it. And therefore, they're bankrupt in the love department or in the love bank. Husbands, we certainly can be victims of this way of thinking and then in turn victimize our wives we can tell our wives that we love them and love them and love them but my chances are if you're a husband you've heard from your wife show it show it show it i hear this rumble of chuckles from the front (laughs) don't want to laugh too loud right Because what happens so often is we just think that we're a person of love, but we're not actually doing anything that's loving. Husbands, don't look at your wives and say, honey, I love you, can't you see that? I did the dishes the other night, I drove the kids to soccer practice, and I fixed that creaky door hinge. Don't you know that I love you? And she'll think, no, you are just a contributing member of our family by doing those things. You haven't shown me love. Think about it. We so often just think to just be normal people is loving, and it's not. There is more to love than that. 
if we are to become people who embrace this concept of love covers a multitude of sins, that means that we have to be intentional about our love, not just functional human beings who like the concept. We have to be more than that. We have to be people who are intentional in our acts of love. Here at Victory Life, we saw the trustees here this morning. They're one branch of our sort of church government. And then we have, oh, six staff members in, in various roles in their part of, of, of church management. And then we have uh, five elders. And so I joke with people that every time we have to make a decision here at Victory Life, 21 people have to be in the loop. 21 people. That means we work with each other in lots of different ways and in constant communication, sometimes not the greatest of communication, to try to lead this church forward. And I have to be the hub of this communication. The folks that we have here that are in leadership have to know that I love them and that I love the church and that I care about them far more than the business of the church or we would never get anything done. The fact is they probably see my warts. And I certainly can affirm to you that there's folks that I see their warts. Problems, issues, hang-ups, things that would cause problems for us working together. Yet somehow, by the grace of God, we move forward. Why? Because we have love for one another. None of us are perfect. We all have things that make us a little bit tough to deal with. But we're moving forward, and what we're praying for with these three trustees out of these six who will come on board with us is that they will be people of love. That their love for this church and their love for one another will be so great that even if they do bring some of their personal baggage onto that board, their love's going to cover any sin that might be there. Love has the potential to cover a multitude of sins. We have to make sure that as Christians, our love bank at our work and in our home and the places that we even have have fun, we got to make sure that people know that we're people of love. We have to make sure that we're doing things to cover over the fact that we're just sinners saved by grace. But let's reverse it for just a moment. Let's, Let's take the inverse and see the other way that Peter might have meant this. Could it be that he meant... Over, above all, I want you to maintain constant love for one another because love covers their sin. Love covers a multitude of sins, meaning if you truly love somebody else, you're going to be able to see the best in them even in the midst of their selfishness. Could Peter have meant the inverse? Above all, maintain constant love for one another because love covers a multitude of sins. Could he be calling you and I to say, look, Sandy, a lot has passed between us, and you've hurt me all the time. But no, Sandy hasn't. I love Sandy. But I see the best in you, and I love you, and that's not going to break up our friendship. Could it be that Peter meant that kind of love? I pick on Sandy, she picks on me. Could it be that, that, that and you don't, don't want to say that, by the way, you've hurt me real bad, right? That's, <laughs> that's not the best statement to make in the world, but... Could it just be that Peter means the inverse? That love covers a multitude of sins in that we can overlook what's going on with that other person because we're maintaining constant love for them. Love puts out sin's fire. Number two, second door to open. Love does not see people as burdens. Verse nine, be hospitable to one another without complaining. 
Love does not see other people as burdens. The root word for hospitable there is philoxenos, or love of a stranger. And by the time that this was written, that was ancient Greek, this came to sort of mean love for acquaintances who are in need. Folks that you come into contact with, and especially those folks who are going to take from you your energy, take from you your time, take from you your pattern of living, take from you perhaps your resources, those are the people that you are to love without complaining. Being a person of love makes sure that you do never, you do not, you never see other people as a burden. You see them as God's opportunity to have a ministry. That's being a person of love. That's taking this down to a very practical, practical level. At the time that this was written, to be hospitable meant to allow someone to come into your town, strike up a conversation with you, gain some kind of rapport, and then say, where are you staying tonight? Would you like to stay at my house? Now, I would like all of you later on today to go down to the riverfront in Cuyahoga Falls and meet a few strangers. See if any of them are from out of town and where they're staying at the hotel. Tell them to keep their money in their pocket. Don't pay that to the Sheraton. You come stay with me. Not only will they think that you are the biggest creep in the world, but if they take you up on that offer, they might be the biggest creep in the world, right? That would be an issue. So the context here is not incredibly helpful because it was the ancient world. But if we just take that root word to love those acquaintances and we have the concept of hospitality in our minds, we understand that hospitality is to give freely of our time, our energy, our resources, and our, I like this word, and our pattern of life to those who may have a need. You don't hold those things as your own. You're willing to give them away. And you don't just give those to the people that you love. You give those to the people God calls you to give them to. Jesus once said in in Matthew chapter 5, what good is it if you greet only those who are your brothers? Don't even the pagans do that? In essence, what good is it to just show love to people that love you in return? Christians are supposed to be hospitable to all without complaining. People of love don't have people burdens. People aren't a burden. That's really tough in our fast-paced world, isn't it? I'm busy today. I don't have time for them or their problems. I I can't do this right now. Have you said that in the past week? Past two weeks, past month? I, I, oh, there they come again. Don't they know that I am working here? You have, any, you have anybody in the cubicle next to you that you think that about? Don't they know that I'm working? I don't have time to shoot the breeze over a cup of coffee. There's work to be done. Do they have a job here? What are they doing? People of love don't see people as a burden. That doesn't mean that we have no boundaries. You might just have to say, hey, listen, I got to pick a name of somebody who's not here. Oh, that's going to be tough, right? Hey, listen, so-and-so, I've got to get back to work. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I've got to get back to work today. There's a polite way of doing that, but my point is this. How often are we seeing people as burdens, as drags on our time, on our energy, on our resources, on our pattern? You're messing up my day. People of love lead 
lives with open homes. And I want to go a step further today to say that this was written to a community of Christians, a church. People of love have not only open homes, but open churches. That we are oriented toward the stranger. Oriented toward the acquaintance. Oriented toward the visitor. That's being people of love. How open is your home? How open is your office door? How open is your lunch table at school? How open is your church? Love is hospitable. It welcomes others. One of the really neat concepts from modern small group theory, okay, I read books on small groups so you don't have to, right? Modern small group theory is to always have a chair in the circle that nobody is in, that you don't, that you, oh boy, I'm fumbling over my words. Have a chair in the circle where you're not expecting someone to fill it just in case they do. Just in case somebody new comes, it will look as if you were ready for them. Is your heart and your life aligned so that you're ready for acquaintances and strangers to come your way and take of your time, energy, and resources? Or is it so introverted and me focus that you don't have time, energy, resources, or the ability to change your pattern for anyone at any time. If that's the case, you need to evaluate whether or not you're a person of love. Love is hospitable. I could stay on this for days, but we have two more doors to open this morning. But don't forget this as we move towards our commitment time today. Perhaps God's asking you to open your life a little bit more than it's open right now. Third door, love submits to the voice of God. Look at verse 11. Whoever speaks must do so as one speaking the very words of God. A great question for us today is, God, is my voice submitted to your voice? I've had people say to me over the course of the years, I'm so glad I'm not a pastor because I don't have to watch my words all the time. I mean, I didn't watch the debates last night, but I'm very glad I'm not a senator, governor, brain surgeon, whatever, because of the way that politicians have to watch their words. But I've heard people say, I'm glad I'm not a pastor, so I can just say what I want to say when I want to say it. Really? Look at verse 11 of 1 Peter 4. That wasn't written just to pastors. That was written to you. A church member, a person who is called by the name of Jesus Christ, your voice should be submitted to God. Because to not submit our voice to God is to have the potential for unloving vomit to be spewed from our mouths. Wasn't it James who called the tongue an unquenchable fire? Part of being a person of love is recognizing that God should be made manifest in the words that I speak. Everywhere. At all times. In season and out of season. I went to the gym the other day and there was a gentleman there that I talked to regularly. We happened to go at the same time. And he knows I'm a pastor. And when I talk to him, it's incredible because he is so respectful. And it's really weird because for me to be 31 and have somebody like enjoy the aura of pastorship is a little bit weird. 
But he comes in, oh, Pastor Matt, how you doing today? God bless you, you know? Just talks to me in this Christian speak, and I shake his hand, and we talk, and we joke for a few minutes, and, and then we get on with our workout, and he's out there impressing the ladies, and I'm out there just trying not to pass out. Well, anyhow, <laughs> the other day, I went to the same locker room, and I sat down and began to change, and my buddy walked in, but he wasn't talking to the pastor. He was talking to another one of his buddies, and everything changed in the way that he spoke. And I thought, he has no idea that I'm sitting back here right now. This is sort of fun. <laughs> and I'll share that conversation another day because it was awesome. <laughs> but awesome is a sermon illustration, not in real life. But I thought to myself right in that moment, ooh, he'd never be talking this way if he knew I was back here. Not that I'm the moral police, but something in him makes him talk something different when he's talking to Pastor Matt than when he's talking to his buddy. We shouldn't be that way, folks. We shouldn't be that way. We shouldn't have church speak and home speak. We shouldn't have church speak and work speak. Students, we shouldn't have church speak and high school speak. Our tongue should always be submitted to the voice of God to speak the way he would have us speak. So then we can be people of love. We make sure that we're not out there offending people all the time or losing our witness because we can't keep a rein on our, on our tongue. That's silliness. If we're truly people of love, we have to recognize that our words have power. And we have great power if we use our words well. Daniel Miller, his wife Sierra, and their daughters Natalie and Kate, they were missionaries to the Sudan uh, for a number of years, and now they're home training missionaries at YWAM Nashville. They're one of the missionaries we support. And it's so neat every time I get together with Daniel because Daniel sits down with me, and uh, more than anybody else in my entire life, Daniel asks me a lot of good questions about me. He just, he, sometimes he asks me questions that nobody else would ask. He, he asks me what's going on in, in, the, in the thought process in the deep places of my life. It's incredible to me because every time we do this, here I'm the, I'm the pastor of the church that supports, helps support him and his ministry, but I end up walking away going, that was awesome. I hope he comes in town again soon. Now, Daniel's never left my office or the coffee shop and said, Pastor Matt, I love you. I don't know that he would. I don't know that I'd say it in return. Well, I'd probably be obligated if he said it. Anyhow... But boy, does that guy love me. Boy, does he show it. Boy, does he show it. Let me tell you, folks, you want to have this instrument be a tool of God's? Learn to ask good questions to the people around you. People that don't have a lot of love, they just spout a lot of things about themselves. People full of love want to know how you're doing, what you're doing, and what you're about. Learn to be a good question asker. Jesus was. Jesus asked a lot of good probing questions, didn't he? Sir, do you want to get well? Ma'am, where are your accusers? Hey, lady, where's your husband? Pharisees, how are you planning to escape the fires of hell? Matthew 23, 33. Look it up, not right now. 
How are you going to escape? Jesus asked some good questions, didn't he? Learn to be a good question asker. Didn't we mention that true love is wanting God's best for someone? Sometimes that means that we use this instrument to tell the truth no matter the cost to ourselves personally in that relationship. Just make sure that if you ask questions like, how are you going to escape hell? You're coming from a good place. Coming from a, a, a right heart. Sometimes we need to speak the truth to one another. Door number four. Love submits our time, our talent, our treasure to God. We see verse 11, part B. One who serves must do so with the strength that God supplies. But if we go back to verse 10, we get a little more information. Like good stewards of the manifold grace of God, serve one another with whatever gift each one of you has received. Love makes us servants. And we don't turn off the servant button in our lives. Our Lord Jesus Christ said that he came to earth not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That's our king. So much so that just to demonstrate this a little more fully, the night before he died, he wrapped a towel around his waist and he washed the stinky, dirty feet of his disciples to show just how much love results in service. People of love serve and they're always wanting to serve. People of love are asking the question constantly, how can I serve my spouse better? How can I serve my children better? How can I serve my parents better? How can I serve my church better? How can I serve the people I lead better? How can I serve my coworkers better? How can I serve the students that I go to school with better? People of love are asking themselves that question. Because people of love are servants. People of love give of themselves. It's never time to think about self. It's time to think about the other. That's what love is. Four doors to love that we've talked about, serving one another, submitting our voice to God, love being stored up so it can put out sin's fire and not seeing people as burdens. But I told you before we close today, I wanted to give you the key. I'm going to be talking about this for just a moment, but there's a key here to opening these doors of love. And we just read it in verse 10. Like good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Stewards means that you're taking care of somebody else's stuff. How do we become people of love? People of God, if you want to become people of love, we must begin to recognize that we are owners of nothing and stewards of everything. That's the key to opening these doors. All four of these points flow from this key that the Apostle Peter gives us, that we're stewards of God's stuff. Manifold graces or manifold gifts, that means the, the, the myriad, the, the voluminous amount of good things that God has for people. We're in charge of those for him. But they're not ours. They're not ours. I know that we haven't made this link quite yet, so let me try to make it a little bit stronger. The opposite of love is not hate. The opposite of love is selfishness. 
That's the opposite. How can we be selfish with what belongs to God? We can be selfish with our stuff. Don't touch my stuff. We can be selfish with our time, with our talent, with our treasure. We can be selfish when it's ours, but when we recognize that it all belongs to God anyways, we stop being selfish and start being distributors. Giving away what is God's. Your time is not your own. It belongs to the one who gave you that time. He puts you on this earth, and he's going to take you off this earth. And he's given you time to do things for him. Your time belongs to him. The gifts that you have in terms of finances, they don't belong to you. And you can't take any of them with you. You can leave them to your relatives and to some estate. You can leave them to your church. But you can't take them with you. They're good gifts that God has given you to distribute as he chooses. The things that you do well, the talents that you have, the abilities that you have been given, they are not yours. They belong to God. And he's going to take them back when you leave this earth. If we are to become people of love, we must recognize that we are owners of nothing and stewards of everything. That's how we unlock the doors to love in our lives. It goes back to a deep theological understanding, and it's right here in the passage, that each and every one of us has been put here for the glory of God. We exist to bring further glory to the name of our Father to do his work in this world and to take part in the greatest story that has ever been told. If we are to take part in that story the way that God has designed, we become people of love by recognizing that nothing is ours. You can't be selfish with what you don't hold on to as your own. You can't be selfish with God's stuff. It doesn't make any sense to be so. How can you be selfish if you're merely a distributor of someone else's goods? Folks, God is calling his people to love seriously. To contemplate what true love means. Because by this all men will know that we are his disciples. Because it is the vehicle by which we're going to bring about God's glory. Where is he calling you today? To become a person of love. What door does he want you to open that has remained closed and locked because you've been holding on to something as your own? I invite you today. Offer that something back to the one who gave it. He will use it to bring glory to his kingdom and you will be free because you let it go. You will be fulfilled because you gave it. God wants to use each and every one of us in his kingdom. Will you contemplate how to love the way that he calls you to love? Would you bow your heads and pray with me?
Father God, there's a lot of information here to digest today. A lot of concepts, a lot of anecdotes shared. But Lord, we trust that in the midst of all that, that your spirit is speaking. And that you have individual messages for individual lives today. And so these next few minutes we give to you as our commitment time to ask you, Lord, what do you want from us? And how can we give it to you? Keeping your heads bowed and your eyes closed today, here at Victory Life, at this time of our service, we open these altars. Our elders will be here and they will want to pray over you if you'd like to be prayed over. If you just want to kneel and pray and commit to God what he is putting on your heart, you do that. And if the words that we speak today are clouded because you've got issues going on in your life, sickness and problems and you say, God, I came here today and, and I couldn't hear Pastor Matt's words. I just needed support. Our elders would love to pray for you all the more. But today we're just going to take a few minutes to say, God, what do you want me to do with what I've heard? Our elders are coming right now and these altars are going to be open. Our worship team's going to come back. They're going to lead us in a song in just a few moments. But before we get there, here's the task. Let me lay it out for you. God, what do you want of me today? What are you calling me to? What are you speaking? What do you want me to do? If God's speaking directly to your heart right in this moment, and you know God's calling you to make a major change in the way that you are conducting yourselves, I invite you to move towards him this morning into this altar. Say, God, I'm moving towards you. I'm not going to wait any longer. I know you've spoken, and I know what i got to do, and I need to pray it out with you right now. This altar's open for you. If you have need, these elders are going to want to pray, but I just invite you, if you don't come this morning, pray in your seat. Keep your head bowed, your eyes closed, and say, God, speak to me. What is it that you would have me do? We're just going to take the next few minutes in this place and commit it to the Lord. These altars are open. Please feel free to come and speak with the Lord.